I think David would have said amen to that. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, team. Many years ago, there was a very famous French artist by the name of Gustave Doré. And he was traveling from France to another European country. This is, of course, before the days of the European Union when they didn't have to have a passport. Well, he happened not to have his passport or even identification papers with him. And so he got into altercation with the border guard of that other country. And, and, and he said, finally, he said, you trust me, I am Gustave Doré, the famous artist. And the guard said, everybody comes here representing themselves as somebody important, somebody famous. But I have no proof of that. You have to have a passport. Go back. But then he insisted on going through because he said, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. Finally, the captain of the border guard was sitting in his little box and is hearing this conversation going on. He comes out with a piece of paper and a pencil. And he said to him, he said, if you are Gustave Doré, can you paint the scenery that is surrounding us right here in this spot? And so with a masterful hand, uh, Doré took the pencil and began to draw a magnificent-looking picture of the scenery that surrounds them. What really grabbed my attention about this is that what the God said Anybody can claim to be anything. Anybody can claim to be anybody. But without evidence and without proof, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't help. Even in a court of law, you have to have evidence. And today I'm going to show you proof, evidence of David's emerging from the cave of Adullam, slash prayer closet. And if you went here in the last message, download it. It's very important, where David learned to turn his cave into a prayer closet. And so, he emerges from this cave of Adullam, turned into a prayer closet. He emerges, giving us evidence giving us proof that in that prayer closet, in that cave of Adullam, David began to develop a new level of trust in the living God. And uh, 1 Samuel 23, I hope you've turned to it and keep it open in front of you, because we're going to see this man whose heart after God proves to us that he had learned the lesson of looking up, uh, that he had graduated from the elementary school of God, uh, that he had not wasted his brokenness and pain, that he had turned his brokenness not into bitterness, uh, that he had not allowed his suffering to embitter him, that he had not allowed the unfairness and the injustice that is taking place in his life Uh, to dissipate his spiritual energy, that he had not allowed resentment to cloud his vision of the future. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. 23, 1 Samuel. The old translation said, Behold, 
Modern translation said, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. And they're looting the threshing floor. That is where all the supply for the rest of the year of food. Basically, uh, guaranteeing uh, their uh, starvation to death. But here it comes. Here's what I want you to listen to very carefully. Here it comes. Are you ready for it? You ready for it in the second verse? And David inquired of the Lord. Say that with me. David Shall I go to attack these Philistines? Now, beloved, please listen to me. You can linger on this statement, this short statement, for a long, long time, and I pray to God that you will. Just linger with it. Meditate on it. Think about it. You see, after the flash of victory over Goliath, Saul would say to David, Go and get me 100 Philistines, he'll get 200. Go and do this, he'll do more. Go and do this and do more. And what happened? He began to develop confidence in himself, not in the living God who gave him the strength to defeat Goliath. And so the moment fear came in, he had to flee in fear. But as he turned his cave of Adullam into a prayer closet, as we saw in the last message, He now comes out graduating from the testing school of God. He comes out uh, trusting uh, yet again in the living God. And that is, beloved, what I call faith 101 or trust 101. I want you to hear me out in this one. If you have not inquired of the Lord, you have not moved from first base in the Christian life. Now, I'm going to tell you that if you have not learned to inquire of the Lord, most likely in the spiritual school, you keep on repeating first grade over and over and over again, and you're not moving forward. Having said that, I always confess, I always come clean with you, that even though I've been walking with the Lord for 50-plus years, Whenever I fail to inquire of the Lord, every time, not just sometime, every time I bomb out big time. Even though I am, I've been already gone to sixth grade, <laughs> spiritually speaking, that is. But whenever I do not inquire of the Lord, whenever I jump ahead of the Lord, I flop. Big time. Now, regardless of what grade you're in, spiritual school, in the spiritual school, whatever grade you're in, it's between you and God. I know, but I know, but I know. When I do not inquire of the Lord, I fail. Whenever I run ahead of the Lord and not wait upon the Lord and hear the voice of the Lord, I fail big time. David inquired of the Lord. Say it with me. A short sentence, but it contains volumes. It really does. In my heart of hearts, I know that I can preach several sermons on that sentence, but I know 
you don't have the attention span for me to do this, okay? And during this time in David's life, he wrote three psalms. I want you to write them down. I repeat them so you, you, you get a chance to write them. That's Psalm 27, Psalm 31, and Psalm 54. 27, 31, and 54. In fact, in Psalm 31, verse 15, he summarizes the lesson that he had just learned coming out of the cave of Adullam. My times are in your hands. Say it with me. My times are in your hands. Brokenness taught David that God is in control of the very breath that he draws, that God is in control of our times, that God is in control of good times and bad that God is in control of the joyful time and the sorrowful time, that God is in control whether you're in a cave or whether you're facing a question mark or an exclamation point. David knew that he could not be both in the hand of the enemy and in the hand of God all at the same time. Now, beloved, beloved friends, listen, listen. When you are in God's hands, Gloom disappears in the light of His sunshine. Fear departs when faith emerges. Peace comes in when trusting of God dominates your life. All of our times are in His hands. That's the first lesson that David learned. It's the first lesson. First lesson is to inquire of the Lord. When he emerged from this prayer closet, he learned to inquire of the Lord and not take matters into his own hands and think, boy, I can live on yesterday's blessings. I can live on my yesterday's testimony. But he had to have a testimony every single day and every single moment of his life. And same with us. We can't live on the blessings of yesterday, just like the Israelites could not hoard the manna and keep it in the, in the tent. They have to trust God every single morning that He's going to provide, and we have to trust God to provide us with daily testimony in our walk with Him. Can I get an amen? amen. See, that's the first lesson. Lesson number one is what? Come on, you can read, can't you? Lesson number one is what? Now turn to your neighbor to your left and say, I'm inquiring of the Lord. Do that. <laughs> Second lesson. Second lesson. David refused to be detracted by the detractors. And if you do not have detractors in your life, Please come, I'll introduce you in the, for the many that I have. <laughs> and I've had through the years. Through the years, I have detractors all the time. Hear me right. You see, it's one thing you say to the Lord, Lord, I want to discern your mind. I want to discern your will. And it's a whole different thing altogether to allow the detractors to detract you from doing the will of God. It is one thing to pray, Lord, reveal your will to me. And it's a whole different ballgame to obey that will unconditionally. 
It is one thing to inquire of the Lord, but quite another to be willing to pay the price of obeying Him. David, after inquiring of the Lord, did not do what many of us tend to do. He did not turn to his motley crew that I talked about. And you notice, by the way, from last message, there were 400, now 600. <laughs> They're increasing in number. <laughs> the motley crew always multiply. He did not turn to them and said, well, God has spoken, but what do you think? Hello. Actually, in the 21st century, in the post-Christian culture, we don't even ask, what do you think? We don't think anymore. We say, how do you feel? <laughs> oh, drive me nuts. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. <laughs> Feeling cannot be trusted. <laughs> how do you feel about this? God said, but what do you, how do you feel about it? And that's how Bible studies sometimes say, what do you feel about this text? How do you feel about this text? Well, your feeling and my feeling had nothing to do with it. <laughs> David obviously heard from the Lord so clearly. And so that he said to this motley crew, he said, guys, let's go. <laughs> and what did they do? <laughs> they did what most teenagers do when you ask them to do something. You know what I'm talking about? I haven't forgotten. I was that I was a teenager and raised some teenagers in my years. And he asked them to tidy the room, and I said, huh? And that's what they did. Huh? God has spoken. Huh? Tidy your room. Huh? And then you raise the volume. Tidy your room. Huh? And then you threaten that you're going to take their allowance or something, and then they begin to move like molasses uphill. David Motley crew, they were not excited about going to battle. <laughs> Don't blame them. Just wait until we see ourselves in them. Okay? You see, they came to David, and they were very happy to receive comfort and joy and peace and encouragement. <laughs> Just like us. Hello. Like us. We are glad to come to the Lord. Uh, from our distress and our bankruptcies and our dissatisfactions, and just like those guys did. And just like us, they want to get all that they can get from the Lord, but ooh, spiritual warfare, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Let me just get along. Just let's compromise a little bit here and a little bit there. Let's not, let's not stand up and, and be obvious. We are all happy to receive the blessings that flow from the hand of the Lord. Oh, but never the stigma that goes from the name of Jesus, with the name of Jesus. Happy to receive salvation. We are happy to receive blessings. We are happy to receive answers to prayer. We are, we are happy to have joy, peace, and comfort. And Witness to my co-workers and neighbors? Oh, no, no way, no way. You don't understand, Michael. These are vicious people. Huh. They will attack me. They will alienate me. Cannot afford 
to pay that price. Don't tell me that the tithe belongs to the Lord. I have needs and I have wants. Don't tell me to serve. I don't have time. I'm busy. Binge-watching television. When God told me binge-watching, I said, is it like binge-drinking? And I know both about them, uh, just about reading about them. <laughs> David said, guys, God has spoken on these issues. God has spoken to us about these issues. Oh, it's not just not for me. <laughs> As one guy said to me many, many years ago, he said, I'm going to read the Bible and find some loopholes. I said, best of luck. <laughs> when David faced this opposition from his men, he turned to the Lord a second time. Watch it. Watch it. It's in the text. I'm not making it up. He goes to the Lord a second time. But I don't believe for a moment that he was doubting what God said the first time. It was not doubting it. Uh, he, he, that, that, that's not a, a turning to the Lord because of doubt, but because the opposition was so fierce. Verse 4. Here's a Yusuf translation, if there ever was one. Lord, did I hear you right the first time? God says, not only that you, hear me, you heard me right, Get off your blessed assurance and go and fight. I've already ordered the victory. God ordered the victory. <laughs> My special friends, listen to me. Those who are hiding from the spiritual battle, and some people hide from the spiritual battle in the pews of the churches, they have never experienced the thrill of victory. And I've been in that place several times, so I'm not talking theoretically here. Chief among them, the two years from 1985 to 1986, two years, every time I pray and the Lord speaks to my spirit, plant this church, plant this church, Plant the church. And I kept going back, God, did I hear you right? <laughs> I, 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 I had so many oppositions, I had to go back again and again to the Lord. I remember a bishop said to me, he said, look, you're going from a global ministry to start a church in Atlanta. He said, I really want to tell you, I have this dear friend who's a psychiatrist. <laughs> and he's very discreet. He won't tell anybody. You need to go and see him. Let me tell you something about how I read the Bible, okay? This is just a freebie on the house. This is my heart. The way I read the pages of the Scripture, there's one thing I look for all the time when I'm reading the pages of the Scripture. I'm always looking for the amazing character of God because He's never changed. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. He's never changed. The God of grace that he gave grace to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before the law is the same God of grace, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the pages of the Scripture, I'm always looking for the magnificent way that God deals with his people because he's never changed. In every page of the Scripture, I always look for a, a, the astounding patience of God. 
because he's never changed. I'm grateful that he's patient with me. And you notice one thing here? You see it in the Scripture sometimes, and God was angry, but here he was not angry at all. God was not angry when David came to inquire a second time. No, why? Why God was not angry or impatient with David? Because our God is a gracious God. Our God is the God who sympathizes with our weakness. Our God is the God who understands our fears and anxieties. Our God is the God who comprehends our need for affirmation. Can I get a witness? Well, some of you believe it. Question, what is really important to God at this point? Let's write in the text. What, what, what was important to God? Is that David is now learning to inquire of the Lord. That's really what's important to God. He's seeing his servant David is now inquiring of him. And not jumping the gun, doing his thing. It is a wonderful habit to develop. It's a wonderful habit to teach our children. It is a wonderful legacy to leave our, our children inquiring of the Lord. My friend, I believe with all my heart God delights when you and I develop this habit of inquiring of the Lord. And that is why David said in Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Telling this to 21st century Americans is like telling them to fly to the moon. Wait? <laughs> we don't wait in this culture. And ultimately, the will of God was followed, not the detractors. Which brings me to the third lesson. Right there in the text. I'm not making it up. Lesson number one is what? Come on, I want to hear it a little louder. Lesson number one is, you can read. God bless you. Secondly, and thirdly, God, His will must be obeyed. God's will must be obeyed. There's no other, it's like the song said, there is no other way but to trust and obey. We give every new member that join the church, we give them a copy of my book, Trust and Obey, because that's really summary of what the church is all about. We listen, trust, and obey. First, you seek the mind of God. Secondly, you don't go with the detractors and move away from the will of God. And thirdly, you obey the will of God. In fact, a story told about a, a well-known British A, a famous British man by the name of Sir Henry Brackenberry. And he was envoy of Britain to France, uh, particularly just prior to the war, first war. And, and he was having a conversation with this French uh, uh, statesman. And, Sir Henry, and, and, and as they're having this conversation, the Frenchman said to Sir Henry, 
I suppose there's only two things a soldier must learn. He must learn how to march and how to shoot. And Sir Henry looked at him and said, I beg your pardon, Your Excellency, you left out the most important thing. A soldier must learn to obey. And if we are the soldiers of the living God, we better start learning to obey. Here's something I'm going to tell you, and you can take it to the bank, okay? Trust me. Some of you will know it experientially. Some of you might not. Whenever God speaks to your heart, whenever God speaks to you in these special moments, and He asks you to do something great for God, if God speaks to you and asks you to do something that's going to move you out of your comfort zone, but only God could have asked you to do, I can make you a promise. I promise you, detractors will be at your heels. <laughs> they will. Not may, they will. Always there. Whenever God gives you a vision for your life to do something great for God, the detractors will show up. Moses had his detractors. It was Korah and company, but he obeyed God. And Nehemiah had his detractors, Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, but he obeyed God. Uh, Job had his detractors. I'm reading Job right now, and my goodness, these are comforters. If these are comforters, I don't want them. <laughs> I mean, these friends, they were his detractors. Even his wife said, curse God and die, but he obeyed God. Jeremiah had his detractors. The king himself was his detractor, but Jeremiah obeyed God. Elijah was, had his fair share of detractors, this wicked, evil Queen Jezebel and her spineless husband Ahab, but he ultimately obeyed God. Jesus had many detractors, including some of his disciples who did not want him to go to the cross, but he obeyed the Father. Thank God he did. Paul had his detractors. The Judaizers were nibbing at his heels everywhere he went, but he obeyed God. Martin Luther had his detractors. There was the king and the pope, but ultimately he obeyed God. The fourth lesson is really the culmination or the results or the effect or the outcome of the first three. Have you guessed it before they put it up? Have you guessed it? Victory! Victory! Here you go. When you inquire of the Lord, and when you refuse to listen to the detractors, and when you commit to obeying the will of God in your life, the natural outcome is what? Victory. Look at verse 5. So David and his men went to Keilah. Finally, there may be someone here who will be saying, well, Michael, uh, I never receive victory. I, I pray, I read the Bible, I go to a Bible study. I, I just don't seem to have victory in my life. Question, are you listening to the Word of God? Are you refusing to be detracted by the detractors, whoever they may be? And are you obeying the Word of God? Think about this. 
Check and see if one or all three are missing. Somebody else might say, well, Michael, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I inquire of the Lord, but I don't hear anything. I really inquire of the Lord. Here's what I think most people listening to the Lord, like a guy on the phone. And the television is at maximum volume, loud. The stereo is bellowing. Lots of people in the room, and they're all talking loud. Just think about this. And, what is the guy, and, and if the phone is away from the base, in the midst of this, what is he saying? What? Uh, uh, I can't hear you. Uh, uh, speak louder. Your voice keeps cutting in and out. <laughs> Beloved, listen to me. Without spending time alone with God, you cannot hear God. God bless you. Thank you. You said it for all of us. The question often asked is, well, how can I discern the will of God? And it's a great question. I'll give you a hint. God will never contradict His Word, and He will never ask you to do something that is not consistent with His Word. I remember over 30 years ago, the church was just new, and somebody walked in, and of course, I was the only pastor, so everybody was walking in. And <laughs> this guy, I didn't have all the wonderful team that I have now. And, and, and this guy came to me and said, I believe the Lord is telling me to divorce my family. God says that? Yeah. Well, tell me about it. Let me, let me hear. I inquired about you know, anything wrong with his wife, anything with that. No. I found out finally by constantly going in and out and trying to figure out, and I found out he was having an affair. <laughs> and he wants to divorce his wife and family so he can marry this uh, Snookums. <laughs> now, you've got to remember, this is 30 years ago. I was young, and, and, and I'm not, not as, I'm, now I'm older, I'm mature, I'm more demure, I'm more, more careful with what I say. I really am. Those of you who know me when I was younger, you'll tell you. <laughs> I looked at the man. I got so close to his face. I said, you're not listening to the Lord. You're listening to the devil. Hello. <laughs> God never contradicts himself. David obeyed God even when it was unpopular. when he had many oppositions, even when there was a price to pay, even when there was a sacrifice to be made, even when it was not very acceptable, well, even when it wasn't the hottest thing on Wall Street. That was not, I mean, but God gave him victory. God gave him victory. If you have your Bible in front of you, in front of you. I don't know what to do with your iPad and iPhone if you've got the electronic thing. I don't know how you underline this, but if you have your Bible, underline it. But if you know how to highlight it in your electronic thing, highlight it. Verse 14. Verse 14. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. Uh, day after day, Saul searched for David, but God did not give David to his hands. 
Now, I'm going to come back to this, but there's something else very important I want, to, I want to tell you. I'm going to come back to this. I don't want you to miss what I'm going to tell you. David had developed the habit of inquiring of the Lord. You say, how do you know that? He's the second time in a very short period of time. Second time he comes to the Lord. I cannot tell you how important it is to listen and to inquire of the Lord. I, I, if, I, if I walk to every one of you and I'm literally beg you, that is a great habit to develop. I know that because I know my failures when I don't. Verse 6, Abiathar, the priest, brings the ephod. You remember the ephod is what the high priest wore. It's in, in the garment of the high priest. And there are two precious stones on, on, the, on the garment of the high priest. One is called the Urum and the Thummim. And when the high priest is inquiring of the Lord, this began in, 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 uh, back in, when they were in, uh, before they got to the promised land, even in the desert. God has ordained this so they know how to inquire of the Lord and how to hear God. And they would go to the Lord and inquire, Lord, shall we do this? If the answer is yes, those two stones will shine bright and bright and brighter. If the answer is no, those stones will go dim. And so verses 7 and 8, look at it with me, Seven and eight, verses 7 and 8. David does not usurp the role of the priest. That's the one thing Saul did and paid heavy for, heavily for it. But here he does not usurp it. He said to Abiathar, he said, bring the ephod. Let him, the priest, do it to inquire of the Lord. So David said, Lord... I heard that Saul is coming nearby here because Kilo is really close to, to, to him. And I know that he wants to kill me. Are these people going to give me up to Saul. And the Lord answered him with clarity. Clarity. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. What happens when you develop the habit of inquiring of the Lord as you further do it, as you do it, as more you do it, the more you do it, the more it becomes the voice of God is clearer. And if you haven't started, start today. With clarity, God spoke spoke to David. Today we don't have an Orum and Thummim. We, we, we don't have, but we have the Word of God. And we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And when the Holy Spirit is presiding in your life, listen to me, when the Holy Spirit is not grieved or uh, quenched because of sin and unconfessed sin in my life, because when the Holy Spirit not crowded out by human logic and secular thinking and public opinion then you'll discern the mind of God. When you're willing to sacrifice your opinion, your desire, and your wants, 
you will hear the voice of God. And you'll hear that small voice. The Bible talks about this is the way walk ye in it. In David's case, he asked the Lord if the people whom he had just delivered from utter destruction, <laughs> the people whom he had just delivered from the hands of the Philistines, will they betray him? And the Lord said, yes, they will. They will. David could have done what we often do or like to do, <laughs> and he would have reacted like many of us would love to react. I helped these people. I delivered these people from destruction. I saved their hides from the Philistines. I have done them a huge favor. They owe me big time. What do you mean they are going to give me into the hands of Saul? You're going to do what? Deliver me to Saul? But the restored David, the man who started developing trust 101, the man David post the cave of Adullam, prayer closet time, he just quietly leaves. Now I'm going to come back to verse 14. I told you I'm going to come back to it, and I told you to underline it. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Now, beloved, let me tell you something. In case you just don't know, I don't know where you're living if you did not know what I'm going to tell you, that the devil is after you every single day. If you love Jesus, he's going to be after you every single day, day after day. And not only you, but all, all yours. Uh, uh, that, that the Bible is very clear that he comes to steal, destroy, and to kill. Wake up to the spiritual war in which we live. But God, but God. Can you say it with me? But God. As long as he inquired of the Lord, as long as he refused to be detracted by the detractors, as long as he's willing to obey the will of the Lord, God upholds you with his right hand. And what a joyful note to close this message on and to begin to prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table, the one who paid the ultimate price for your salvation and mine. God's victory, beloved, is yours. I want you to turn to your neighbor to your right now and tell them God's victory is yours. Will you do that? Do it loud. Amen. God's victory is yours. God's victory is yours. Shall you stand and pray? Father, the Word is so clear in front of us. You let, he did not leave yourself without a witness. And your word teaches us over and over and over again. Forgive us the dullness of mind when we fail to recognize you 
in your word. Forgive us the dullness of our willingness to go with the detractors and the naysayers and not obey you. Forgive us when we are unwilling to pay the price. We ask you in the name of Jesus to empower us, to inquire of you, Lord, to stand in obedience to what you tell us to do. And then, Father, we know the victory is ours. The victory is ours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen.